Hello. Good morning. Oh my gosh, good morning. How are you? I am so good. How are you? I'm wonderful. I just made the most delicious homemade cinnamon swirl muffins with my very own icing for breakfast. Well, that's not all we had because obviously that's just dessert. Let's be serious. (laughs) That's breakfast dessert. (laughs) Yeah. I don't make sweets all the time for breakfast, but when I do, I'm like, guys, basically we're just having dessert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was delicious. It sounded good. Hannah sent a picture. We have a group message with some of our friends and she sent a photo of it this morning and it really did look so amazing. But there's just nothing like homemade icing, honestly. I I think homemade icing is it's like a staple in my family. So I couldn't agree more. My dad makes homemade icing for everything and my aunt has a bakery. So like store-bought icing, it was something that like we always almost always looked down upon. We were like I really I was literally just about to say, I don't judge people for 99.9% of anything they do, but I do judge homemade icing, or I do judge store-bought icing when Uh I know that there's the alternative, but also it's like, it's not people's fault that they just aren't privy to like homemade icing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't make homemade icing, like, so it's only a thing because people in my life know how to make it, so... But I completely agree. Like, it's just a staple. It has to happen. Yeah. It's, like, the one thing that I can do really well as far as, like, food items. So I really love that. Yeah. I really, really enjoy it. But I actually, yeah, I I don't judge anyone for sore biasing because it's, like, how are you supposed to know? Yeah. I get it. I mean, I'll buy it. So, because I can't make it. But I do appreciate homemade icing way better. Absolutely. Um, I am on a journey. This is going to kind of tie into what I want to ask you today. I'm on a journey to be, like, more classy and elevated in all aspects of my life. I love that. Yeah. And it's really, really interesting when you start – thinking about the little tiny things in life that you Mm. can do to, and, and it's so odd because class and what we, I guess, think of as like classy people or elegant people, or um, like maybe some people think of rich people like this, but rich obviously does not mean class. Right. But, it's such a interesting topic because like what is what is class? You know what I mean? Yeah. Can I ask you what made you want to start on this journey? Well, I I'm doing a lot of work in trying to make sure that my inner child and past um like my history just with growing up and all those things 
are truly resolved. I'm trying to make sure there's no moldy rock left unturned. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I don't want something to creep up on me later in life. And I don't necessarily feel like I have any specific like crazy trauma or anything, but you know, you, you kind of really have to dig to find out. Yeah. So in this journey, I realized I struggle a lot with either feeling like I don't fit in, in certain groups or mm. being really insecure about certain things that I feel like I should know in situations that are maybe with people that I think are classy or um, like high society or whatever. And it's not like I'm hanging out with like Ivanka Trunk, Trump every day. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not around. <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not like hanging at the Hamptons all the time. Right. So, but it's like, you can't expect to have an elevated lifestyle if you don't prepare yourself for that. That's how I look at it. Yeah, and I agree. I want my kids to understand too, and to not feel embarrassed and to not feel insecure in the future when they step up their lives and, you know, they get into social situations. I want them to know things that I just don't know and that have made me feel insecure in the past. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense, actually. So, and I, I translate it to my business. It's like, I want to make sure that if I'm trying to get the classiest, most like high vibing energy client that has money to spend with me and that's truly just happy to be with me, I want to make sure that, that I understand what their life is like and how to communicate with them well. Yeah. So, yeah, I um, I think <laughs> what, you're, what you're saying it, and as it relates to your business, right? Mm-hmm. You attract what you put out. And that's something that, you know, with marketing, it, it's talked about always. You know what I mean? And so I understand, like, you're like, in order for me to attract these kind of stylists, I have to start, or not stylists, I'm sorry, in order for me to start attracting these kind of clients, I have to start showing up differently across the board to call people like that into my life. Absolutely. And I think, I think I want to figure out what the science is behind it, like what the protocol is, because I've been very lucky in that. So like early in my hair career, I worked for a really, um, really talented boudoir photographer who had people like fly in to get their photos done with her. So I actually was exposed to a lot of really neat kind of high class women. And I learned a lot by doing session styling for those, um, those photos. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I would spend an hour or so getting them ready with um, either by myself or with a makeup artist. And it'd be a very intimate setting. We didn't know each other, but it's kind of like a hair appointment, you know, where you're, you're just trying to feel people out, but you also want them to be comfortable. Yeah. And I think because I did have this exposure, it really, really interested me because I was very natural around these people. And I know that that's not normal. Mm. So I'm trying to figure out what, what things came natural to me and adapting to like high class or high society people 
and how I can work on those even more to continue to attract those people, but how maybe I can even talk about like what I'm doing and help other stylists maybe. Um, because I think, how are we supposed to know, you know, if you were raised in a family that didn't value this type of thing or that didn't expose you, you know, maybe to different, um, groups of people, how would you ever know? Right. Right. So it's really interesting. Well, and I think it's, it's a, it's a great topic. Um, you know, I, do like business coaching and I really try to share a lot about social media. I have a lot of really great conversations in my DMs and this is always a hot question because stylists are constantly asking, okay, hey, I am getting extension clients, but there's still something missing. These extension clients aren't the kind of client that I want. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I, I do think there's a huge disconnect with, but, and it's hard to say that to somebody, right? Like, how are you showing up every day? What are the things that you're sharing about talking about? Is that something that's going to relate with the kind of client that you want to attract and that you want to draw in? And so Hannah, I think this is such an important thing to share and, and talk about and kind of dive into because there are a lot of people who are really struggling with this. They're getting extension clients, but just there's just still something slightly off and it's hard to put your finger on it until you grasp that self-awareness that you need to be like, holy shit, it's me. I'm the disconnect. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yes, Haley. And that is essentially my story is being comfortable around around people with money that's what it is for me so I I had a and I think a lot of stylists do you know because this is not a higher level college degree this is not necessarily a profession that that our culture understands deeply or takes very serious so I think stylists end up like you and I, and maybe coming from families that, you know, may or may not be been able to take them on vacation when they were a child, you know, just so many different things. So it's so it's self-awareness, like you said, that's, that's the most important, I think for me. And it's just so much psychological um, understanding of like, okay, I don't understand people with money because I wasn't raised around money. However, I want to be someone who has money Mm-hmm. And who raises my kids, you know, maybe better off than my parents were. But how do I get, how do I get from the mainland to the island? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how, how do I get there? And how, how do I remain myself and true to myself, but a part of, you know, a class of people that do have money? How am I accepted by them? So I think a lot of it too, a stylist that I've talked to, I think sometimes we're resistant to making changes when, when there's this identity that we hold on to for no reason. You know, it's like, if you think, well, I'm just always going to be true to myself and be who I am. I'm not going to change myself for anyone, you know, then you have to be okay with maybe not, uh, you know, launching your career into a place where 
people with money are attracted to. You know, we have to we have to be open and willing to be like it's not being fake. It's not it's not changing yourself in a bad way. It's like we're supposed to evolve and we're supposed to change ourselves. And if especially if it helps our kids learn new things or if it helps other people around us that are going to have great lifestyles and like really healthy choices be attracted to us. It's like, why wouldn't we just at least investigate what types of changes would be comfortable in our lives, like taking on so that like we could just rise up, you know what I mean? A little bit in life. Yeah. So let me ask you, Han, like what changes, what does that mean change wise for you in your life and in your business? It's, it's like, it's so detailed. It's so like little tiny baby changes. I mean, I've talked about this one. This is just a fun example because it's silly, but it's true. And I've talked about this on Instagram is like, I wear real pajamas now to bed. I wear like nice feminine satin pajamas, not like anything crazy expensive, but and that's not business related, but it's like, you can, you can draw a line from point A to point B and a lot of seemingly unrelated things in your mm. life and your business, you know? 100%. So like my satin pajamas is my silly example, but also I've been trying a lot to not cuss just in general because the people that I really look up to or kind of study in mm-hmm. a um in a higher like vibration of life not even monetarily like not even having anything to do with wealth but the people i really look up to in a lot of ways don't cuss or don't use words that they don't mean or think about you know what i mean yeah they're not just flying off the handle and saying the first thing that comes to their mind it's like calculated not even calculated in like a bad way but it's just thought out and it's not just like an off the cuff response bingo yes yeah exactly yeah it's um it's just paying a little more attention to what your role is in every situation that you're in you know being self-aware um body language so like when I'm having a conversation with someone in real life making sure that I And, you know, I have my body facing them. I don't have my arms crossed or my legs crossed in a way that would give off any signal to them that, like, I'm not taking in what they're saying. I'm not. And, you know, even this podcast has evolved so much. I, Haley, you know this, I, I get really excited in conversation with people and I end up cutting people off or, um, not giving pause where pause is needed. So just learning little things like that and just being able to admit to myself in the world, which the world already knows these things, you know, which is so so funny about about growing as a person. It's like everybody else sees what's going on. Yeah. Um, but just just paying attention, uh, paying attention and trying to be trying to be polite and and pleasant to be around, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in my business, I'm not sure. Cussing is definitely something that, uh, I feel like I'm doing an experiment with because I'm, I don't cuss that much, 
Yeah. But I'm like, okay, if I don't cuss that much, why don't I just stop cussing? Yeah. So I'm trying to see if, if I see any, any correlation. Yeah. Yeah. You have to keep us posted on that. I'm intrigued by your by your thought process there. Thanks. Yeah. And I think it's like if nothing else, Haley, what does this hurt? You know? And if yeah. Best case scenario, maybe I learn some things and can share on the podcast or, you know, on Instagram or whatever and help other people understand that they they deserve to feel comfortable around wealthy people and that you know, I think that's the beginning to becoming wealthy yourself, even, you know? Mm. Yeah. You're kind of putting it out there into the world before it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. It's important to be, to be clear and um, own what you're doing, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Hannah, I, I really love this. I, that's something that with my coaching girls, we talk about all the time, you know, it's how they talk, like they'll get frustrated, you know, we all get frustrated and with social media specifically. Right. And I utilize social media, right. Share about this a lot because it's, it's the easiest, most convenient free way of getting new clients of, tapping into an audience. You have millions of people at your fingertips, right? And so it's easy for me to naturally kind of go into this conversation. But there's a lot of frustration around around building a clientele. And it's like, how do you need to show up online? And this is this comes from knowing who your ideal client is like the back of, of your hand. You have to know them almost as well as you know yourself. And so keeping that person in mind, how do you need to show up to say, hey, this is the person that I'm talking to. This message is going to land specifically with X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think the clearer you can get on your who your ideal client is the easier it is to build an entire strategy for your social media around that person because you already know what you need to be talking about you know how you need to show up and even if right cuz sometimes there's a lack of confidence when you're stepping into anything new and I know there's very mixed reviews about fake it till you make it, right? Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes the part of fake it till you make it that lands with me is you're not always going to feel confident when you try something new, but you still have to do it anyways. So if you're going to show up to do something that makes you super uncomfortable, is it better to show up in a timid way or is it better to show up in an I'm owning it, I'm going to be confident in it because if I have nothing else to lose. And so to me, right, you showing up already now saying, this is how I want to present myself to the world. Is it uncomfortable right now? Maybe because I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know the ins and outs of how to be this person yet, but 
you're already being that person, even if you aren't, you know, super wealthy right now, you know, and I was at a business conference in January and I think I told you, I shared this with you girls hand, but one of my big takeaways was how, how do you show up every day as the person you want to become? How can you start showing up as her every single day in your conversations, in your interactions, and you're doing just that. And so it translates through your marketing message as well. How do you, Hannah, now need to start showing up on social media to start attracting this client that you are trying to call in? Yeah. Haley, I mean, that's it. Is I was, you are so right. I was at a place where, and I think a lot of stylists do this, where we show up at work as one person. And this is not the same thing as, you know, we all have to put our hardships or, you know, certain topics aside when we get to work because they're just not like Mm. sexy or fun to talk about anyway. You know, I mean, mean sexy by, you know, they're not engaging. Right. Um, So we all do that. We all wear a, a specific work hat, quote unquote. But I think there's a difference between showing up to work and actually being a a specific stylist to your clients and acting in a certain way and then leaving work and still kind of being the same person. And Mm -hmm. that's where I, I really want to be very authentic in that. And I was like, why, why can I act like this at work and feel very comfortable being around people who, you know, pay for luxury services and have this money to spend and have a certain lifestyle. But then when I go home, I don't continue acting like that person, you know, and what if I, I went home and um, did things that show respect to myself and respect to my home and respect to the people I live with. And then it becomes easier to be, to be that person at work because you are that person. Yeah. Like you were saying, you know, at your conference it's like I don't think I don't think it's fake it till you make it I think it it's this is uncomfortable but I'm gonna give it my all and see if the glove fits and eventually you get comfortable in the glove you know yeah so that's so true it's um everything's uncomfortable at first oh my gosh everything and especially something like you know, figuring out a specific person or lifestyle that you are just not comfortable with or not used to or not haven't had a lot of exposure to. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of stylists. You know, I don't I don't think a lot of us were raised in super wealthy neighborhoods or um, exposed to social situations that required as to know certain types of etiquette, you know, but it's yeah. like, we can learn this. 100%. It, it is something that you can learn. But again, like you said, it, you have to start being self-aware mm-hmm. and you have to start being willing to make a change. Mm-hmm. And that can be, that can be hard. And that, that's the uncomfortable Thing. And like you said, I think it really can start with a different level of professionalism 
you know, like, what are the conversations that you're having with your clients? You know, what, what kind of things are you talking about? Are you gossiping the whole time? Are you talking trash about the people in your life? Are they, are you listening to that? You know, what are you calling in through your conversations? How are you showing up there? Because you get, you get to choose, you get to set the tone for your appointments. And that's something that I have realized the power in. Um, I've listened to some of my friends in, in the industry, you know, like one of the things that they've said is like, how are you able to turn it off or to not go there or, or whatever with conversations? And it's like, there are just some things that I am not going to give attention to. And of course you have clients that sometimes just need to vent or whatever, but uh, to me, I want to talk about uplifting things. I want to talk about business. I want to talk about, um, you know, like the hard personal work that I'm doing, that my clients are doing, because those are the kind of people that I want in my life. And do you still have some of those people who aren't talking about those things? Sure. But that's where you kind of get to just disconnect. You get to listen. And it's like, how are you engaging in that conversation? Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, um, what about, what do you think about this? I think some stylists that are listening, you know, maybe they're interested in this and they are like, yeah, this is a interesting shift that maybe I want to lean into or try. What if you're in a salon either, you know, a big salon or just with maybe one or two other people and the other stylists don't engage in like uplifting conversation or maybe are super gossipy or super, or even their clients are really um, just, you know, just don't stick to like normal topics. What, what do you think? Because we've both been in these situations, obviously, I think every stylist has, um, what, what do you do? Like, I just thought of that. I'm like, man, it's just so hard when the environment you're in is not a controlled environment, Mm. you know, in a sense. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of it, right? You have, you can control one thing and one thing only, and that is yourself. And, you know, you can sit and have a conversation and bring this issue up to whoever you want but if if everybody isn't on the same page is that conversation even going to go anywhere more than likely no and so that's where you have some tough decisions to make if this is that big of a priority to you it may be time to move on from where you're at um because you have to think like your environment and the energy in your environment it's so incredibly powerful it is so incredibly powerful. And that's something that I've really learned over the last couple of years. It makes, it makes a difference who and what you surround yourself with. And if there's any part of you that that's, it's not working or, or you're already having this feeling of like, oh my gosh. And I know that sounds like so drastic. If, if it's something that is not working that much and you feel that strongly about it, you have to move on. And I would say you have to move on sooner rather than later because dragging 
something like that out, the the person it affects the most in a negative way is yourself. Yeah, I agree. And I think in a salon setting specifically, um, environment, ambiance, and energy is such a major part of the experience. I mean, it, it is the experience, you know? Um, and yeah, I think that if you're not happy or totally comfortable or able to move your business forward in a way that you want to, if your environment that you're in is, is stopping you from doing that, it's like, you have, you got to just leave. You got to find somewhere else. Yeah. Because you're not, you know, I don't care how great you are. It's really hard to bring your ideal client into, you know, maybe a salon that is not clean or that has a lot of gossipy stylists or has maybe a lot of stylists that don't dress in a very professional way. You know, like these things all really, really impact how much, how much value you, you have, you know, and how much clients are willing to pay you even. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, and that's, again, this is part of where like owning your own role, you know what I mean? And being self-aware, you want to attract a client that's willing to spend three to $5,000 on their hair extensions. But are you getting up and doing your hair every day? Are you, you know, maybe you you don't wear a ton of makeup, but do you look presentable? Like what, what are your outfits? Like, how are you dressing to show up for your day? Are you like trying to be trendy or are you rolling out of bed with your sweatpants on? And, and I know like right now style is like a little bit, I think casual is cool right now. And that's like fine. Like to me, like trendy, but is that the kind of client that you want to attract? I don't know. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And that's where you have to decide is your ideal client even on like even with casual being cool, what is that? Is that a sweat set from Target or is that, you know, something a little bit higher end from, I don't know, Nordstrom or whatever, you know? So it's like, as silly as those little things might sound, they make a difference. They, they genuinely do. And so are you showing up every day dressed and ready to see the type of client that you want? Because if you're showing up with your hair in this like sloppy, messy bun and your makeup on from the night before and you smell like alcohol from being at the bar last night, what is that saying to your, to your client that's sitting in your chair? Nothing great. I don't want to sit there and smell that, you yeah, know, as a client. Absolutely. And if we are showing up as the creator of, of this art of hair extensions, why didn't, why didn't we create better on ourselves? You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's not hard when you zoom out and look at it, but sometimes it's easy to miss these little things, Haley. I mean, it's really, and, and everyday life just gets busy and we That's get, you know, we get rushed and we forget to make our own, you know, Botox or eyelash or whatever appointments. And then things start to slip a little bit and it's okay. Cause you can always, you know, hop back in and take care of yourself in a way. But I think most, and Haley, you, I know for sure, this is probably true with you and it's true with me. Most of my clients want to see a part of me that they kind of look up or, um, identify with or mm -hmm. want to be like, you know, I have, I, I knew when Sammy did my hair a couple weeks ago and she took me lighter. I knew 
instantly, as soon as I went into work, my dark brunette clients would want highlights. And it's true. I mean, the last like two weeks I've done foils on brunettes that never wanted to be anything but a level two or three. But when they see me, you know, it's inspiring or it's, it's like, oh, you did that. I think that might look good on me because our ideal clients or my ideal client is connected with me in a way like that, you know? Really? Well, and Hannah, like think, think about it this way too. Like I know the word influencer, I think it has such a negative connotation for some reason for a lot of people. Um, But you have to think before Instagram, social media were a thing, how did our clients know what was cool or what was happening? They looked to people in professions that told them. And that includes their stylist, their makeup artist, their whoever. So whether you want to be or not, if you are in the beauty industry, you are somewhat of a beauty influencer, even if it's quote unquote only to your clients. And so if you want that, if you want to be that person, that expert, that person that they are attracted to, you have to show up that way. You have to show up with with your hair in in the way that you want to attract those clients. Are you trying to wear call in extension clients, but you don't you're not wearing extensions? Mistake number one. Yes, thank uh, thank you so much. You have that. When I see that, mm-hmm. I'm just so confused because, and it's Haley, like we were saying, it sometimes seems like these things are very obvious, but sometimes when we're in it, they're not obvious, or it's like. I just don't They're have not time. Yeah. And I'm like, no, this is, it's, it is what it is. Sorry. I did not it, mean to cut you off. No. It's just like, I see that all the time and it's hard to see. I know. I agree. And it's, you know, they're like, I'm struggling getting extension clients, but they're not wearing extensions. And it's like that, that is of course the first thing that you're going to look at. Think of it in any other aspect of your life. If you're going to a fitness coach for fitness advice and to get you into shape, what do you want your fitness coach to look like in shape, right? Who, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like those are things, if you're hiring an interior designer, you want to know that their house looks amazing. And I get it. Like, I know it's easy to say, like you said earlier, we put ourselves on the back burners, but guess what? If you want to start showing up differently and you want to start attracting different clients, it requires acting in a different way, showing up in a different way, putting yourself, your how you look, how you present yourself as a priority. You have to start making all of those things a priority if you're trying to bring in something than what you something different than what you already have. And so I think we it's easy for us to lose sight of that because Instagram, like people care so much about how many followers you have or all of that, like you forget that you're already influencing the clients in your chair. That number that you have on Instagram, like it doesn't matter. It genuinely doesn't matter. You're not, life's not better between a hundred followers and a thousand followers or 10,000 followers. It's, it's really not. And so, but how can you take that role that you play now seriously? How can you I, I know I keep saying it. How can you show up for your clients and to attract the clients that you want? What do you have to do? Yeah. And, and here's the thing, you know, are you 
what are you even responsible enough to have 10,000 followers if you're not doing certain things? You know, it's like, what, what are you going to do with all these followers or all these, um, all these eyeballs Mm. if, if you haven't prepared yourself to take on this many people? Yeah. to, To like show up like that again, like that's another thing. Like everybody wants the following, but what are you doing to nurture the follow followers you already have? Yes. Yes. And I truly believe that too. And you don't need, I think people are just, especially younger stylists. I think like you were saying, they correlate followers with income or with success. And I, I mean, I'm a perfect example. You don't need (laughs) a ton of followers to make really, really good money and have a career that you love and that you still want to work on and continually grow. Like I have 4,000 some followers and, you know, I, I'm continuing to grow and expand my business and my, my life and my lifestyle has continued to grow throughout all those, but it's like, that doesn't seem like a lot of followers because it's not, but I have good relationships, like you said, with people and people know what's going on in my life and they feel, I think people feel comfortable to, to talk to me if they feel connected to me. So I don't yeah. know. It's not. Well, and hand not to, are you, I don't want to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. So I think something that has really intrigued me that I think you've talked about it on the podcast before, but you have said that your ideal client comes to you f- through your website and mm-hmm. through Google. Mine, mine does not, but that is something that you have said, like, I'm so thankful that I have this website set up. I have my SEO running because I have not shown up on social media a lot. You've just, you just had a baby. So like social media has not been your priority, but you are still continuing to get leads. You're still continuing to attract clients. And I think that's important. How is your ideal client going to find you? And that's something that is different than, than it is for me that I think you can also speak on your ideal client, Hannah, is still going to Google and saying hair extension, Cincinnati hair extensions, you know, and mm-hmm. they're popping up and they're like, oh, there's Hannah. You know, that's it's not the same for me, but I think even knowing that and being aware of that. So you knowing that your website has to be amazing. Your your interaction on that end has to be a lot different than maybe somebody who is using and utilizing getting all their new clients from Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I will get back to someone so much quicker. And my, so my website is built on Wix, the platform. Mm -hmm. And when I get a Wix notification that someone has um, submitted like a, a question or contacted me in my contact form on my website, I get back to them with, within the day. Yeah. You know, but it's like, I'm not always checking my DMS on Instagram because like you were saying, I, um, I invested in my website before I got pregnant and I had it that completely rebuilt. And I'm so grateful I did because a lot of times clients who find me will find me on Google or, you know, just searching extensions near me and then chatting back and forth on my contact form through email they will realize, oh my gosh, I didn't realize you had such uh, Instagram with tons of pictures and things to refer to. So it's almost like they 
they will end up looking through things on Instagram, but they don't initially find me through Instagram. Right. And so I think a lot of people forget that I still Google most things. You know, I don't typically look on Instagram for everything because either, you know, people with money or people who, who have a certain type of lifestyle aren't always super, um, good with things like Instagram, either because they're busy or whatever. Maybe they just don't spend a lot of time there. So it's like, they may not know how to utilize hashtags or how to even know what to search for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think it's worth, it's worth thinking outside the box as far as like how people will find you and then what types of people you want to find you and what they're doing. I agree. Um, Because I think a lot of times uh, we do get caught in this Instagram hamster wheel where Mm. we think we have to do all these things to gain all these eyeballs and popularity on social media platforms. But we don't understand why we're doing that or um, I don't know. Something I was thinking about earlier. I'll be interested to know how you feel about this. So I I feel a certain way about reels. Now I'm not camera shy. Mm-hmm. I don't mind. I don't mind being on camera, you know, for my Instagram. However, yeah. I feel extremely like corny or unpleasant a lot of times on reels on Instagram. I don't know why. I think because I feel more performative, I guess. Yeah. So it, which feels, and you're like, I'm not an actress. (laughs) Yes. Which feels very unnatural to me. I'm like, it just feels so corny. So I'm like, okay, I don't, if something doesn't feel right to me, I don't have to do it. You know, it, and it does, but it doesn't mean that I can't still utilize reels to help, you know, help show certain things. Now this is totally different than someone using the excuse of like, I'm just not comfortable being on camera. It's like, okay, well, I don't know what to tell people like that because it's going to be hard, you know, for your, for your audience to get to know you if they can't see your face or see you talk. Yeah. But with reels, I, I think I've decided that I just, I don't feel comfortable and I don't necessarily like how my work or I'm portrayed in like voiceover reels. Mm. So I'm like, okay, well then I don't have to do those. And honestly, I don't have to use any type of music that I don't feel like attracts the right type of person. So it's interesting how I've kind of narrowed it down and I'm like, okay, I don't want any like trap music. Not Mm -hmm. that there's anything wrong with that, but it's like my ideal client doesn't necessarily listen to that. Yeah. So like, why would I put that as the background on a reel because it's trending? You know, it's like you, you have to think about these kinds of things and think about what type of sound or music or video someone who's going to be your best client would would want to take in you know yeah I I love this topic actually and because I struggled with reels for a very long time I can't dance I don't love pointing to pretend words on a screen that's like not me I it was 
reels for me became easier and way more fun when I just figured out how to make them work that felt authentic to me. And I definitely tried things that were not me at all. But it's like, for me, I didn't know if it was me or not until I tried it. Even if the reel did well, but I still left it feeling like, Ugh, you know, yeah, I, I had to try it to know. And I, I think that's what's important too. Like, how can you make this new trend, right? Because here's what you have to understand with Instagram. If you are, if your goal is to grow your own brand on Instagram, you're going to want to focus on reels. And I think a lot of clients are, well, and maybe not all clients that could just be, you know, maybe that's not the client that you're trying to attract, Hannah. Maybe they're still paying more attention to the photos of reels, but just as a whole, as a social media community, people are paying more attention to short video clips. So how can you make that work for you in a way that feels authentic? I, I don't mind voiceover um, reels. So that's something that I, that's quick, that's easy for me. Um, obviously reels with hair in them. I don't even mind being in a reel. I don't mind talking on reels, um, delivering value there. But it's interesting because I do agree, like your music selection, and that is that is a huge point where you're like, I don't want trap music. That's not the type of music that my client is listening to. Um, so you're going to avoid all of those. I have really shifted my marketing message from talking to clients to stylists. So I don't necessarily feel the same way because a lot of stylists that I know listen to a wide variety of music. So I utilize a lot of it. Um, but again, I'm now not trying to grow my extension clientele. I'm focusing more on speaking to stylists. So again, that's where, who are you trying to reach through your messaging? That's important. What do they like? What do they not like? What lands? What doesn't land? You know? Yeah. Yes, Haley. And you're you've honestly mastered this in a way that it looks easy and effortless because (laughs) so, but you're, you have so many reps with it, you know, where I think a lot of people are still, and you have to try things out. Like I still, I'm sure we'll do corny little, um, reels where people are saying things. If I think it's funny and if it feels right to me, like I'll do it. I am not going to be so rigid to, to the point where I'm not fun or I'm not myself, but it's like, as a general rule, I think instead of being like, um, video or reels or whatever in your business makes me uncomfortable. It's like, well, find the one little thing within video that you can do that is comfortable, you know? And I think with reels, it's so interesting because for a long time, it was like, I thought I had to, um, follow the structure of reels or like film it in reels and you know as a like cut up clips and it's like you can just literally just take one video you took of hair and just put music behind it like that's that's a reel a reel isn't necessarily like five chopped up clips or like a transition that's smooth that you've seen someone else do it's like just post the video you have of the pretty hair Mm -hmm. you know 
or, or whatever. So no, I, think, I, I agree. I, I think that's where people get caught up though. Don't you agree where they think they have to do like, you know, the dance challenge or like the pointing <laughs> to the things. And I'm like, yes. if that feels corny to you, please don't do that because like it will look corny. corny. Yeah. Hannah, you said it perfectly. Like it has to be authentic to you. And I, at least for myself with the message that I'm trying to convey, the text on the video and my caption are almost more important than the actual video content. Like I know what video content does really well for me and I know what kind of text and caption does really well. But I had to figure that out through trial and error. I had to experiment and study my own content, what really, you know, was creating a lot of conversation and engagement for me. And then, okay, how can I recreate that? How can I utilize something similar and recreate content that is going to land in a similar way? So I, you have, you have to be true to yourself. And that's where again, or true to this person that you want to be. So I, it, it can feel hard and, and it is at first because you have to start training your mind differently than you have that that's where too, like people get so frustrated with their social media content because they're like, I can't think of an idea. I can't think of this. I can't think of a caption. Again, you're not going to be good at something the first few times that you do it. It has taken me four years, almost five years of consistently writing captions to be good at them. It has taken me consistently sitting down and being intentional with the content that I create where now I can come up with something pretty much on the fly, but it has not always been like that. And sometimes it's still not always like that. I have learned how to take questions, take um, comments, take the DMs that I get and create content out of it. That's, if I can give you one piece of advice, that's the easiest way to come up with content right there. What are the questions that you get asked behind the chair in your DMs and in your comments? And how can you repurpose that as content? When you can deliver value across the board to either your clients I would say focus on delivering value to your clients. How can you answer their questions? That that kind of content is going to take you so much further because you're making your entire new client onboarding process so much easier. So much easier. But it takes practice and discipline. That's why, you know, showing up every day, that's something that I will forever encourage like do you need to show up on Instagram every day for the algorithm to favor blah 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 whatever no you don't however if you are not disciplined in your social media strategy you 100% need to be showing up every single day in some way because that's how you're going to create the habit that's how you're going to create the discipline around it but until you have that established it's always going to kind of be on the back burner so that's why I always, I'm like, I know this sounds excessive and it sounds like a lot, but show up every day. It's a non-negotiable. The same way that brushing your teeth in the morning is a non-negotiable. So is posting on Instagram, posting a hard post and showing up in video in your stories, you know? Yeah. And we were taught, I think we were lucky enough to be taught that 
um, in the beginning training that we did with hair extensions. Mm -hmm. Um, And you've done such an amazing job of following through with that. And the times that I have committed to that, I mean, that's how I built my business for two years. You know, I did video or, you know, posted every day or whatever. I had an actual strategy, like you're saying. And I think a lot of the times, you know, I've taken a break because I was really uncomfortable when I was pregnant. Um, It was emotionally very straining on me. And, you know, I have two other kids that I really wanted to pour into. And so I was completely aware and okay with and prepared to deal with my business not and me not showing up, you know, for every single day for a year and a half. And now that I'm kind of ramping back up and I feel like I have, um, I have more capacity to work on my business a little bit more. I understand how to make that a part of my life because I've done it. But I think a lot of people don't understand where the block is. And I think the block a lot of time is being clear with the people you live with and that you spend time with that, um, you know, maybe you're not comfortable with the fact that I have to prioritize getting this picture or sharing, you know, um, a homemade recipe or sharing, like, I'm getting ready to start, like, kind of sharing, like, baby outfits that I get of my baby. Like, but it's like, you have to be clear with the people in your life that you spend time with that, like, I know you don't understand this in a way that, like, I do, but this is a priority to me. And I'm not, I'm not going to be ashamed or talked out of capturing this little moment or comment to share because it's one of the main puzzle pieces that I need to bring people closer to me to make people feel like they have something in common with me so they trust me so they can spend money with me you know and like I've made that very clear to my husband and my kids over the years when we would be somewhere and they'd get annoyed you know whatever with me talking to my phone but it's like this is how I make money. You know, I have to, I have to share a little bit about myself. So people do know, like, this is really you, you know, and I trust you and you're going to make my hair beautiful and I'm going to give you money. It's, it's all a part of it. And I, I think a lot of people don't feel comfortable saying to their family or their parents or their husbands or whoever, you know, like, I know this seems silly, but it's not silly to me. So when I need, you know, 10 minutes to talk into my phone and then 30 minutes to edit and post that, I need that time, you know? Yeah. And having, having the people you live with and spend the most time with understand and respect that I think is very important because until you explain that to your loved ones or your friends or whatever, and have them understand that you need them to respect that it's really hard to respect it yourself you know because then you feel like you're kind of like slinking off and getting um content or making a video and you kind of have to hire or you're embarrassed or you know whatever and it's like if you just come out and say it like hey this is a part of my job I have to film this I don't have to but you know what I mean it's it's important that I share this because it makes me happy and I want I want to make this a part of whatever you know something that someone connects with in me and that's important because xyz then people get it you know my husband now gets it because he's like oh 
You're going to have to post every day again. Okay. That's a part of your job now. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that was an important link for me is making sure that my husband and my kids knew I'm not being rude and, you know, not paying attention to you. And also I'm not sitting here scrolling through TikToks. You know, it's like, I got to do this. I need an hour and then we can resume our normal lives or whatever. I, yeah, you're right. And it's like communications key no matter what. Right. And I think that's where if the more you can make the people in your life understand that, yes, part of my job is like working in the salon, but also a part of my job is posting content, filming content, you know, outside of work with communication, like it's going to make it so much easier. And listen, they're going to, they're probably going to make fun of you. They're probably going to think you're so silly and so ridiculous and that's okay. But over time it, it stops like the laughter, the ridicule, the hassling because they start to see it. It starts to connect and it starts to land. And, you know, that may be not just for like people in your home, but like other stylists, they see you taking time to take pictures and um, setting intention to make sure you have the time to film whatever you need to film. And maybe they just, they do make fun of you. They think it's ridiculous and they'll let you know about it or they're going to talk about you and like, let them, that's fine because there's going to come a time when they stop laughing and they're going to start wanting your advice. You know what I mean? And I Mm -hmm. think that's something that at least the conversations in my DMs that stylists really struggle with. You know, they're in a salon of people who aren't supportive of showing up on social media or they think it's stupid or, you know, like they're old school and they've been able to build a clientele without social media and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But so they're kind of shamed almost for wanting to step in and and do something different. But just keeping your blinders on, you know, I, yes, I was so, my heart hurt for that girl who I, she put in a question box. She was, I think this is what you're talking about, how she was in the salon with, um, I think older stylists or maybe just more old school, um, uh, marketing wise, um, with stylists who, yeah, would make fun of her or who would put her down or just, um, kind of like yuck her yum when it came to yes or wanting to grow herself on social media yes. and it made me so sad because I was like I know that feeling I was I was the first one I was in um actually the women were all very sweet to me but they didn't understand what I was doing when I would take my clients out in the exact same area every single client and take a picture of them outside mm-hmm. in natural lighting and there was this beautiful background I had And those pictures are still beautiful and live on my Instagram to this day, but they, they didn't know what I was doing. They didn't understand. They didn't understand. Um, And I was lucky because yeah, they were, they were not, I never felt like they were like crap about me. They may have been, but, um, but even having stylists around who don't understand, you still feel kind of a certain way that. Um, I don't know. You just, 
you don't feel supported. So I can't imagine if, if those stylists were actually mean to me, you know, how that would have felt, but that kind of circles back around to, to the, um, the topic of, if you're not in a good space, you have to start looking for, you know, either a studio suite where you can control the environment or a salon that is so much of a better fit, maybe with other stylists who are working on, um, like, their social media or um, taking pictures and videos to build their website or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think it's so much of an age thing either, Haley. I think there's a lot of stylists our age or younger who, because they're uncomfortable with their, with creating content, um, they want to make you feel like you're not good at it. Yeah. Which is just, it's sad, but. It's like also no one's good at creating content when you first do it, you know? No. (laughs) But you still have to do it. And it's it's easy to let that get into your head, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to think and, like, consider, do you have the same goals as this type? You know what I mean? Like, if they have built their clientele and they're happy and, you know, they're happy with their work schedule, they're happy with the clients that they see, but you're not, I – I don't know that I'd be taking their advice. Like I would find people to seek advice from or to actually pay attention to their feedback who have done or are trying to do what you want to do. And I think it's so easy when we're in our own little bubble. And that's what one of the things that Instagram is beautiful for. There are so many stylists out there that, again, you can just send them a quick message. You don't even have to know them. Like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Like, this is where I'm at. This is the feedback that I'm getting from the people around me. How do you, how do you deal with that? You know, and it's, it's so simple. It's so hard in the moment, but it's actually simple once you decide that this is an action that you're going to take. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I think it's, Instagram is great for that because it's easy to get support when you need it in that way. Mm. Um, Yeah. And in the same way, it's like, you also have to be prepared in the way that, you know, I'm trying to, to work on presenting myself in maybe a little bit more of a professional or upscale way. It's like, I'm totally okay with certain, maybe clients that I used to have or friends that I used to have or followers that I used to have thinking, well, Hannah's changing you know, like (laughs) he's being someone that she's not like this is, and that's okay because I, I am trying to move into a space where I've never been this person before. I'm not going to be the same person I was. Right. And I'm, I, that's what I want. You know, I, I want to do that. And if that makes them feel uncomfortable or if maybe they're personally not comfortable with changing themselves, like that's okay. But that doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to let those people and, you know, their, I guess, opinion of who I'm trying to become. It's like, I'm okay if that, that doesn't feel good to them, but there are lots of people like, like you were saying, if you have to reach out to somebody and be like, Ooh, is this okay? Or like, um, I see you're doing this. I'm trying to do this. What's some advice? you know, it's easy to find those people or even just to watch other people who've kind of done some personal development with themselves or 
change their business in ways and be like, okay, they did it. Obviously, maybe they had some haters or people who were uncomfortable with them changing, but um, it worked out for them. And I've seen, you, you know, I've seen you really do a lot of hard work on yourself behind the scenes and invest in yourself. And I think people don't see that sometimes when they see you being um, so great at social media or so great at being an influencer. It's like, Haley, you're really solid with yourself too, you know? And I, <laughs> I think people have to get solid with themselves. I mean, that's kind oh. of where I'm, I'm starting in the back of the house right now, you know? Yeah. With myself and being like, this is the person I want to be. And I have to be really solid with her before I, before I do anything else, you know? Yeah. It's the last, I, I would probably say like year and a half, maybe two years has literally been the most challenging couple of years I don't want to say in my life, but close to it, like, because of the deep, intense personal development stuff that I don't know that I intentionally set out to start working through and dealing with, but holy cow, like, it has been intense. I've learned a lot about myself, and I... I agree. Like it's, it, it was, it's been the most rewarding thing that I've done, but it's also been the, one of the hardest things to do because it's uncomfortable and you're faced with questions about your current reality or your things from your past that maybe you never realized that you didn't deal with and coming and having to face those because there's there's another level of you that you can't get to until those things are are met and dealt with and it sucks <laughs> it yeah. sucks no, it's just when you think like you're like okay i did it i that hard thing that's done so like now what where's all the good stuff mm-hmm. and then it just comes barreling back down harder and more intense like like you feel like you just get hit by a train and then after you get out of the hospital from being hit by the train you get backed over by a semi truck and then it it's just been this like nonstop hard hard thing i think i've like cried more probably in the last 6 months than i have in my whole entire life and but it's been like the best thing for me it's been the most incredible experience ever and it's also like things that would have phased me Hannah like a year ago that happened now I'm like okay you know what I mean yeah we're like like something's something that would have blown my world up last year can happen now on like Tuesday and I'll be like well that's inconvenient. That's annoying. But yeah. like, I got to grab my coffee and I got to go, you know? Yeah. Yes. And your, your capacity for understanding what's important and what's not like changes. Yeah. Yes. And I think too, it's like, it's like when you, um, 
when you work through maybe, okay, so when you work through certain things as a stylist or you've been doing hair for long enough and you have a pretty solid business and you hear us, another stylist complain about uh, maybe a client leaving them and they're like, well, they said um, they were just going to have someone else do their hair and, and that I was too expensive. Like when you hear another stylist say that and you're at a certain level, you're just like, so what? Move on. Like, good. <laughs> You don't like, yes, you don't understand yes. why it's hurt. You're like, this is such a waste of time, but, but you only get to the place where you're like, okay, bye. Mm-hmm. When you've had, when you've been hit over the head so many times with uh, whatever a client leaving you because you're too ex- expensive. And then you're like, oh, this doesn't hurt anymore. And it doesn't, you're doing me a favor because I can't take every single little thing personally and let it hurt my feelings because this is all I would be doing. Right. You know, so I think your capacity for not being offended and hurt by other people's decisions, like grows to a point where you're like, yeah, that's their decision. That's okay. Yeah, it does. And you realize, right. Because when you are making those hard moves and changes in your business, you feel like your whole entire world is going to collapse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it feels like, oh my gosh, I'm raising my prices. I'm changing my schedule, blah, blah, blah. My whole world is going to collapse where the more you do it, the more not even comfortable. I don't know if that's something you ever get totally comfortable with, but instead of it being like my whole business is going to fail, it's like, I am just now even narrowing down the people that I'm supposed to spend my time with and it's okay if it stops working for, for some people. I'm, I'm aware that that's going to be, but it's just another way and another level of getting you to that next, that next phase. And I, I don't know, it, it becomes this, like, you don't dread it quite as much because you're aware on, you're aware of what's on the other side of it. Yes. Yes. And when you first lose clients, I think it's really scary because you've worked so hard to get clients and Mm -hmm. you've never, you've never been, you've never gone through the cycle of understanding that you have to lose clients to get new clients again. You know, so I think you lose them the first time and you're like, oh no, like my whole, like I just lit my house on fire and it's burning, Yeah, you know? Um, But then once you go through that cycle a couple of times and then you get a higher echelon of clients, you know, and kind of get that cycled through because you had space for those clients because you lost other clients. Then you start to understand, okay, like this, I am moving in the right direction. Yeah. But we've all been that person, you know, who a client tries to dig at us and sends us those, you know, messages or whatever. And at first it hurts, but then, yeah, you just, um, I don't know. It's, that's a very relatable feeling, but it's also, you get to a point where you're like, I don't, it's, you have to keep moving. You really do. You this really has been, I feel like I could talk to you. Like we could talk about this forever and ever all day. I know. And I, it's so crazy because all of these, all of the conversations all tie in and I talk with my business coach about this a lot because he's like, well, maybe we could, you know, 
do a training on this and then on this and then on this. And I'm like, we can, but you also need X, Y, and Z to be in place for A, B, and C to work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so. Like you can only, you can only do your coaching with stylists who are in a solid place with themselves in other ways. Is that what you kind of mean? Like there's I mean, like so many little different topics that kind of plug into like the specific coaching that you do. Well, I mean, I even think like evolving in your business, right? Like if you, if you're like, okay, I need to make a change and you're like, it's probably, I just need to raise my prices. Okay, great. You have raised your prices, but now Hannah, like, what if you're not that person? What if you're still you're showing up and your shit's not together. Like your hair's not done. Your makeup's not done. You look like you just rolled out of bed. Yes. Like what if, okay, so cool. You raised your prices, but now you're not attracting those clients that are willing to pay that higher price. Well, but then it's like, okay, well then what do I need to do to change my social media? Like they all tie and they're so deeply interwoven together that Everything has to be in alignment. And that's, I think, what people don't necessarily understand. They think it's just raise your prices. Oh, just change your schedule. I don't want to work weekends anymore. Or like, oh, here, I just need to post more hair pics on Instagram. But, and then I'm just going to get clients. Like, does it kind of work like that? It can, but it all ties so deeply together that if one thing is off, the rest, it's not going to fit together. Yeah. I mean, yes. And I think that each individual social media, that's one topic you can work on. Mm-hmm. You can, you can work on that, uh, personal development. That's mm-hmm. one topic you can work on your past history and relationship with money. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a whole nother deep dive rabbit hole that some stylists need to spend six months to a year working on what their yeah. relationship with money is. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so how professional you look, you know, well, there's so many different things. I think that's why I've become so interested in my personal development with myself, because I'm like, I can't start to, to kind of reboot all these other things in my business after taking some time off, unless I'm really, really, really excited and clear about who I am. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think, you know, I think sometimes all of these things can feel very repetitive, you know, like it can be repetitive talking about a price increase. It can feel repetitive about, again, changing your schedule or ta- how how long and how much can you talk about social media? But it's like, because every time you hit that new level, you reach that, what you've been working towards, right? Like once you get to being extension exclusive if that's your goal it's like okay then what you know what I mean I chat with this about one of my coaching girls Kim um we chat about like this up upward spiral so it's like a it's you're still going in a circle but you're just moving up so you're going to be repeating a lot of the same things and a lot of the same changes but it's just on a different higher level that's a great way to put it yeah Yeah, I feel like I'm on a upward spiral. Yeah. Because I've mastered Instagram at times, but it's like, I have to remaster it and I have to re re personal, you know, kind of rebrand myself. That's a great way to put it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's okay. So I just think like, 
because I, I, I think sometimes like it can get exhausting like okay how long can you talk about all of these things but when you really stop and understand because it just keeps repeating and it's, it's just, constantly changing I mean think about yes like social media it's like okay we just did some photos and videos and a couple lives for years and now it's like reels is the only game in town so you got to relearn yeah. that you know yep yeah it's um, crazy it is so crazy. I love you so much. I'm going to hop off. Yeah, I think we do have to go before we get cut off. I know. I know. It'll shut us down. <sighs> um, this is one of my favorite things throughout the week to do. Same. I look forward to it. Um, same, same. I don't know what else to say. Do you have any closing words? No, just thanks for listening. Um, we love you guys and we'll chat with you soon. Love you. Love you guys. Talk to you next time. Love you. Bye. Bye.